Hey there, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. Now, if you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review so your friends know that this is a show that they can learn from. Check out our blog at DIYMoney.org. That's DIYMoney.org. Now, enjoy this episode. All right, welcome back. You're listening DIY Money, honey. DIY Money, honey. Boom. All right, Daniel. Um, last time we talked about the uh, decade, financial decades. Yeah, you know what? We're going to get some flack from that. From Why? the, uh, the Insta world? The FIRE community. You know the FIRE community? Financial independence, retire early. These 30-year-olds that have you know aggressively saved like 80% of their income because they're living on Top Ramen. Top Ramen? Is that what it's called? I don't I know. Never they live in stuff. a Winnebago. Yeah, and then they live in an RV, and they uh, hope to do that for the next 60 years. Yeah. Uh, off of their savings, but uh, someday we'll do an episode about the pitfalls of the fire movement because it's very appealing on the uh, the Twitter sphere and the Instagram world and so forth. But there are some pretty big speed bumps uh, from a fire perspective that uh, people need to consider before aggressively pursuing that. And someday we'll talk about that, but Obvious, not today. Obviously, you and I follow different people uh, on Twitter. Mine are posting, you know. <laughs> $200 stakes. Yes. <laughs> they are not the fire movement. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> they're the, I'm going to be in this job for a while. Yeah. Over. They're like drinking nice Pinot Noir, uh, Cabernet, you know, look Which, at us. If you have the money, I mean, that's go for it. But it doesn't sound like that's the fire movement. That's not the fire movement. The fire movement would laugh at that. So, you know, it all depends on the, the tribe that you run with. Uh, what are the goals and what's important and so forth. And so today we're going to talk uh, about a topic that uh, has various different tribes. I think our listeners would probably fall into sort of a consensus tribe on this. Uh, but you know, there's people all around, uh, all around, uh, every side of this issue. And so that issue is, is debt ever good? Is it okay? You tell me, Daniel. I don't know. There's a lot of different kinds of debt. So, uh, let's kind of run through, I guess, uh, well, broad distinction. There's you have two sort of uh, categories of debt on the very broadest level, and that's uh, secured and unsecured. So a, a debt secured by an asset. So that's going to be things like uh, a mortgage, a car loan. Uh, what else would you have as debt secured asset? You know, mortgage, car loan, debt. home equity line. Yeah, I mean, sort of could, things like uh, that. Yeah. Things that are backed up by an asset. Essentially, sure. you can kind of figure those out. Uh, and then you have uh, the things that are not secured by an asset. So these are things, uh, loans that you get that they they don't really have anything to repos- repossess if you were to default on that loan. So that would be things like uh, credit card debt, lines of credit, uh, store credit, uh, student loans even really are unsecured credit. Uh, you can't really default on them, but they're not really secured buy anything. And so that'll be, uh, uh, we'll broach that as well. So uh, broad category starting there, but um, what do you think? Broad spoke if somebody came to you and said, Quint, is that ever good? Absolutely. Uh, and here's, here is my weird, my weird uh, approach to this, uh, which much of what I relay in my, my opinions, and, and I stress it's not necessarily always our opinions. Daniel and I sometimes differ in that and that's healthy and fine. Um, is is you know from from personal experience as well as some a lot of deep thought because um, you know people often ask us you know well where do you all get your your material your information uh, we think about it we we run numbers we talk to people and this is from you know just 
a lot of, of experience over the years uh, watching people go through financial ups and downs, experience success, experiencing f- uh, failure, um, from being a, a, a parent, from being a father, uh, from a, a husband, a small business owner, et cetera, et cetera. So if you recall, we talked about the debt snowball, the Dave Ramsey debt snowball a few podcasts ago. And the theory there, which I agree with, is regardless of the interest rate, you attack the smallest balance first in order to eliminate that early or first, and then ultimately apply that payment to the others to attack the next largest debt, and then the next largest debt, so on and so forth. That is called the debt snowball. And mathematically, that doesn't make a lot of sense because you could be accruing a greater amount of interest on a larger debt because it has a higher interest rate payment. And so a lot of people approach it purely mathematically and they say, well, I owe 20% or 17% on this credit card that's got $12,000. I'm going to really attack this instead of the $2,000 credit card that has a 7% balance. The problem is, is that in my experience, from a psychological standpoint, you can easily become drained and exhausted in, in not accomplishing that goal in, in, a, in a fast enough fashion to keep the momentum up. Uh, if I can introduce a, a, an analogy, if you are setting out to run and you want to start running races, I strongly encourage you to pick a 5K before signing up for the marathon. Because it is much easier to train for and get a feel for what races are like when you go out and run 3.1 miles well before a six to nine month training period for 26.2 miles. Debt is no different. Now, I actually approach this having debt in the same fashion, but I use math to kind of justify this. And here's what I would say. Debt is only good with respect to the return that you are receiving on that debt that you took out. What? Return on debt. Yeah. Mm. What does that mean? Well, in my very strange way of thinking about it, I actually fall uh, in a strange camp, for example, when it comes to student loan debt. Um, I don't think it's bad at all. And the reason is, is that if somebody can secure a job after getting a degree and they come out with a loan, and let's use big round numbers, of let's say $100,000, but they were able to secure a job that paid them twenty dollars to $25,000 more than if they did not have that degree, that is a 25% return on investment from getting that debt. Now, factor in some interest. So government-backed student loan could be, what, 6%. So instead of 25, it's 19. You are not going to receive 19% anywhere guaranteed for as long as you can work. Now, if you're concerned about that, you're concerned about not being able to work, you could actually take out 
an insurance policy, disability, and make sure that if for some reason you couldn't work, you know, you can flip that over and make sure your student loan gets paid. Now, where I differ is someone taking out a hundred thousand, not differ, but where I where I will change that philosophy is I don't think you can take out a hundred thousand dollar degree or or a student loan to get a liberal arts degree, which is gonna put you at the head barista counter at you know Starbucks earning sixteen dollars an hour or whatever it is, twelve dollars an hour. So I think you have to be wise. I would be I would better say that, you know, to go to a trade school uh, and actually get a trade. But if you are applying debt from that perspective, I don't have problems with it at all. If you need to go from point A to point B to get to your job, to be able to uh, you know, work, to be able to feed your family, and you need a twenty-five dollars or $30,000 loan on an automobile to do it, and it's a reliable, safe vehicle, in my opinion, you could calculate the return on that debt or I should say the lack thereof if you didn't have it, and ultimately justify having that. Now, you have to be very careful because, you know, you can't sit there and say, oh, well, then I should buy this lake house because when I, you know, buy the lake house, then I don't go on vacation twice a year. And if I can, you know, I mean, you have to be, you can go down some rabbit holes. I understand that. But that is how I always personally approached and approached debt. If I can't even apply a return, so I have to put something on a credit card or something because, you know, I just want it and there is no return associated with it. It's a return of instant gratification. That is terrible debt. No matter if that's a car, it's a different degree, it's a product, it's a service, it's a good, awful debt. That's where I fall. Yeah, so it in a way, you're basically saying that uh, debt can be an investment in the future, but if the return on that does not go out into the future. If it's just a initial sort of a sugar high, uh, then the return is essentially zero or negative. And it's not good debt. In that respect. So, yeah, I think the other thing to consider uh, when we talk about debt is uh, the two areas that people often uh, talk about uh, are kind of the big uh, sort of long-term goals to not have debt associated with them are cars and houses, uh, which I think are good, uh, exceptionally good. Uh, as a long-term goal. But I think, unfortunately, in the world that we live in, uh, while cars and houses may not be quote-unquote good debt per se, uh, you may want to pay those off as quick as you can. Unfortunately, in the world that we live in, when debt is widely available to buy or purchase a specific asset, by the rules of economics, the prices of those assets are higher to compensate for the fact that, well, almost everybody can get debt to pay for them. So uh, what I'm saying there is, let's take housing, for instance. If mortgages did not exist, housing prices would be by far dramatically lower because nobody would have access to money that they can access now to buy a house. Therefore, the price would have to be lower to create demand. Uh, And so therefore, it really edges out most people from being able to buy a house for cash, say, in their 30s. I want to, you're right. And I want to, I want to actually touch on the same thing. I was out for a run this morning and I was thinking about all that was going on economically. And, and it kind of comes back to the fact that one of the strongest attributes in our, in our country is our banking system. Uh, there was a random new bank that popped up Monticello bank. That's popped up around the corner from my house. Never heard of the bank. Sounds fancy. Well, it's interesting because I, they're actually um, advertising a very aggressive CD rate. And I thought, well, that's an interesting place to park cash. And then I thought to myself, my goodness, isn't it amazing that we live in a country where 
we can just randomly go into a bank, deposit money, and feel completely secure that they will pay us back. And I'll tell you, I know this sounds crazy. Nobody's ever thought about this. In most countries around the world, that is not the case. That, is, that security is not there. In fact, in many countries, there's not even a banking system. So this idea of borrowing and paying and being able to build and do that doesn't even exist. So, yes, I, I, I think that getting debt to be, able to, um, to be able to pursue something along the lines of a home, I, I'm all for. But again, it's within reason. Everything is, 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 is good in, or okay in moderation, right, to a degree. Yeah. You know, I want to encourage people, like, you sort of go into buying a house, man, going, man, I wish I wish I was able to just save enough and pay cash. And unfortunately, uh, I'm going to pick on housing because it's an easy one, but you have to have a place to live in the interim. So you're going to have to rent uh, or buy by nature. So you're going to have to expend X amount of money per month anyhow. The system is basically built against you in that you are going to have to get a mortgage to buy a house more than likely. You have the option to pay that down um, quicker than expected, but in rare cases, somebody might be able to buy cash early on in their life, but that's not typically the case. The system's just not built around that. Uh, so in that instance, that can be a good way to get you in. Uh, prudent financial planning and, and aggressive sort of debt pay down and savings can get you to paying that off quicker. And the system's really built that uh, purchasing a large secured asset like that, your mortgage, is at least in today's environment, a financially feasible and not terrible thing like it was uh, in times past with higher interest rates and so forth. So there are times that while debt's not good, it's just unfortunately necessary in the economy that we live in today. That said, uh, a lot of other debts aren't necessary. And as you alluded to, are kind of like uh, sugar highs uh, that we get. So credit card debt is never necessary. Um, putting vacations on credit cards, uh, things of that nature are never really necessary. Auto loans, you know what? I think maybe to get your first uh, car or so forth, getting a good, really economical car your first time around, that's not going to be sort of a money pit that you're going to just put a ton of money in maintenance. It, You may have to finance that to start you know, that first-time job if you're not living on the bus line or in a city with transit and so forth. But I would say uh, once you can get that aggressively paid off, um, that's your opportunity to then start continue making a car payment to a savings account. Uh, we still do this as a family. We have a designated savings account that we're making a car payment to uh, after we paid off our two cars so that we would never uh, have that auto loan again. Uh, and that's been a great strategy. And I remember the last time we bought uh, our car with cash, uh, we were sitting down uh, in the, I guess it's not the financing departments, the, the accounting department or whatever that you go to when you write a check for a car as opposed to getting a loan. And uh, the guy was about our age. And he goes, so what is it you do again? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I had to explain to him. It's not like we, we had some extraordinary inheritance or, you know, some, some lofty job. Uh, while we are financial advisors and financial planners, you know, there's nothing uh, overly extraordinary about it. It's, it's the same sort of principles and savings that you can do. We essentially uh, worked hard to pay off a car. And then we didn't stop making a payment. We made that to a designated savings account. And then once that was enough, to purchase the the car that we uh, thought was prudent, we went in and, and purchased it. Uh, so we still have a car payment. It's just in our favor, not in the bank's favor. Okay, I don't see anything else we need to uh, to hash out on that. In my opinion, I do you. <laughs> so I guess the answer to the uh, title question is maybe, <laughs> or in some instances, uh, debt is a good thing. So, uh, but be prudent about that. And I guess if 
I guess I would add, if you are not sure, if you're going into a situation where you're looking at incurring debt and you can't confidently answer the question of whether or not it is a good idea or it is good debt, I would rope in uh, one or two really objective people that you don't mind sharing your finances with and, you know, opening up your uh, bank, not giving them access to your bank account, but opening up kind of your bank statements and kind of your budget and going, you know, this is where I'm at and this is the debt I'm looking at taking on. Uh, and is this a dumb idea? Now make sure that these are people uh, who are living a prudent financial life uh, as well. Uh, so that might be a, you know, a financial planner uh, in your town that you trust or so forth, but uh, it could just be, you know, some trusted friends who uh, you look up to and who have, you know, made it in some respects that they're living a good financial life, but don't be afraid. You know, money is an uh, a topic that we keep very secret, but if you're going to make a big, big financial decision, like, you know, buying a thirty, forty thousand $40,000 car or, uh, buying a house or something, uh, you know, oh, run the math and, and, and use objective advice, uh, to help you go further and then ask them why, uh, they think the way that they think and, and have a dialogue about it. Sometimes just having a dialogue, um, really opens up your eyes to something that you didn't see before. I love it. All right, let's conclude there. Uh, Remember, friends, the secret to wealth is not complex at all. Live on less than you make, invest the rest, and do it for a very long time. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this week's show. Be sure to check out all that we have on the blog, DIYmoney.org. And if you haven't already, leave a review so your friends know that this is a show worth listening to. 